The Boiler Upload Podcasts are brought to you by Martin Vintage. Do you love Purdue Vintage logos? Do you like supporting small businesses? Are soft and comfortable t-shirts and sweatshirts something that you adore this holiday season? Especially when they don't break the bank? Look no further than Martin Vintage. This Purdue alumni-owned small business is the place for you. Make sure to head over to martinvintage.com today to see what they have to offer. Welcome, everybody, to the Boiler Upload podcast. Yes, we are still doing this podcast thing. We let Christmas and New Year's and football and basketball and way too many things get in the way, but we are finally here for the highly anticipated episode 10 of the Boiler Upload podcast. With me tonight is Jace Jellison. How are you doing, Jace? I'm doing well, gentlemen. How are we doing? We're good. We're good. And with me as always, or with me as not as always, because he's only on here part of the time, is Kyle Holderfield. How you doing, Kyle? Uh, very, very good. Happy to be part of the Decade Podcast here, number 10. Number 10. Yes, we are We are rocking and rolling. And this is going to be a very football-centric podcast, mostly because Casey is not here. And he is the basketball insider with all the inside information. But we'll have a little bit at the end, most likely, to talk about. Uh, first of all, though... Oh boy, that was a rough bowl game, wasn't it, guys? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, and I was, and I was there. It, oh. it felt rough. It felt like the the, the whole stadium just the, the life got sucked out of the Purdue section. I think the worst was you have the fourth string walk on quarterback that did the last drive, the last series. The poor guy throws a 99-yard pick six and what's likely going to be his only series he's ever going to get at quarterback. And it's just like, really, man? Come on. Yeah, you feel for the walk-on kid there. I mean, but, hell, we had guys playing corner, Camden Childers, that came to Purdue as a wide receiver who just transferred to a Division II school. So here we are. Uh, But speaking of transfers and quarterbacks, we can start off a football discussion tonight with Brady Allen is staying in West Lafayette, and that makes for an interesting three-person race next year for the starting quarterback position. So what's your initial thought on him staying, uh, Jace? Yeah, I mean, I think it's big for the future of the program, honestly. Um, you look at him, I mean, second, second highest rated recruit as a quarterback in Purdue history behind Kyle Wharton. Obviously, the recruiting rankings haven't been along or around, the, around that long, excuse me. Um, but I mean, it's, it's big to to have someone of his stature, of his um, like how highly he was recruited for him to come back. It's it's big for the morale of the team and and just <clears throat> just making sure everyone is uh is bought in. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you know more of the X's and O stuff here, Kyle. How does he fit in, and is he really going to? challenge Hudson Card or is it Hudson Card's job to lose next year? Yeah, you know, <clears throat> I think it's probably Hudson Card's job to lose. He didn't come here to sit. Um, but he has, I mean, if Hudson Card has a great one year at Purdue, he could go pro if he wanted to. Um, and now he has, you know, two to three years left with the COVID year and all that stuff that I don't completely understand. Um, but, I mean, I don't think the doors came knocking down, per se, for, for Brady Allen. I mean, especially the doors didn't come knocking down to say, hey, we want you to be our starting quarterback here. He's a redshirt freshman quarterback that has eight career passing yards, you know. Um, so I don't think that was going to happen for anybody. And and he loves Purdue. His family loves Purdue. Um, I mean, that, that's that's been evident from when he started getting recruited. 
Um, in terms of fitting, you know, the, the, the air raid, it can have a pocket passer or it can have a guy that can run around a little bit. It's not, you know, predicated on, on either one of those things. Um, obviously, it looks like Graham Harrell probably wants somebody that can run around just a little bit. But, I, I mean, Brady Allen's a talented kid. He has a big arm. Um, but, again, I don't think anybody was saying, hey, you can come be our starting quarterback. Uh, when he has, you know, no resume to show for it other than thrown for like 10,000 yards in high school. But, you know, when you get to college, everybody has a clean slate. So, and Hudson Card has a little bit more of a, a built-up resume. Now, what does this mean for Michael Alimo? Uh, he comes back with the most experience of anybody that's been within the program. Got to see just a tiny little bit of him in the bowl game. But, uh, you know, how does he match up with Allen and Card, really? You know, Alamo is a is a is a running guy, um, and if you look at his his stats in high school, he didn't have a ton of like great passing statistics. And I know we don't want to reference high school a whole bunch, but um, and he wasn't overly accurate by any means. He was still ranked a four star prospect, but you know, um, I think he and Brady are probably battling for the backup quarterback spot. Um, he's he's closer in alignment in terms of um, kind of the same type of quarterback as Hudson Card. They both can run a little bit. Um, and Brady gives you something different. Um, but I think Mike's probably the odd man out between the three if Brady sticks around, in my opinion. Um, and that's kind of been the case during his Purdue career thus far. Um, he's just kind of been the odd man out. He's been good, but he, it sounds bad, but he hasn't been good enough to surpass you know, somebody for uh, the starting job or even the backup job. He couldn't beat out Austin Burton. Well, he's, uh, he's entering year four in the program now, isn't he? Yeah. So, I mean, it's always good to have somebody that at least has a little bit of experience and whatnot in the quarterback room, but I, I come out, I'm kind of with you. It's like by year four, if you're not starting, you're probably not going to be starting barring an emergency. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at with it too. And he, he knew the Brahms system for three years. Hell, I mean, uh, Brahms saw enough to where when he was, when Alamo was a freshman, he went and got Austin Burton just to have a backup quarterback, you know? And that, and that says, I mean, enough to me uh, personally. And I and I think he's a skilled kid. He looked okay in, in the bowl game. I mean, nobody really did, but he ran around a little bit and didn't look too <laughs> shook, shook or anything like that. Um, I, he I threw just, a touchdown pass. I mean, that was the highlight of the day. <laughs> that's true. Um, but, you know, I think he's just the odd man out between the three of those guys. And um, that's just kind of how I feel about it. And we'll see um, what happens from that with spring ball and things like that. Odd man out might head out, <laughs> you know. And I think I think the other factor that we've got here, and that kind of can allows us to transition into our next subject, is transfer portal is going to be big. Um, <laughs> we don't even know who Card or Alimo or uh, Brady Allen are going to be throwing to next year. We got a decent number of receivers that are still in there, but they've struggled to produce at the same level as what we're used to. And uh, we're looking in the portal, aren't we, Jace? Yeah, most definitely. And unfortunately for Purdue, the the top guys are dwindling lower and lower and lower. They might be left with some of the scraps at this point. Um, just for context, obviously there are different circumstances. But last year at this time, Purdue had eight guys already brought in from the portal. Now they have one. Obviously it's a very good one in Hudson Card and, and a guy that's who, who's projected to be the starting quarterback. But – um, you look at the wide receiver room, like you mentioned, you got Brock Thompson coming back after a year that was basically lost due to injury. TJ Sheffield, uh, Mershon Rice, Tyrone Tracy could come back. Um, I haven't heard 
heard much in terms of, of his status, but nobody in Purdue's receiving core has has exceeded 500 yards or more uh, besides Tracy. I believe it was a sophomore year back at Iowa. So, I mean, they're, they're 9, 10 deep of guys that could potentially contribute, but none of them are that David Bell, Charlie Jones, Rondell Moore type number one receiver. Even a, a Milton Wright would have been phenomenal um, in a year like this. But, um, yeah, and I mean, they have offered a few, a few transfer wide receivers, but uh, we'll see. I think Isaac Tesla, I would be shocked if, if he committed to Purdue. By the time this comes out, he might already be committed elsewhere. Um, and then Andrew Anthony is a is a transfer wide receiver from Michigan. Didn't didn't really see the field um, in Ann Arbor. So I mean, those are two options right now. Other than that, it's, it's been fairly quiet. Uh, you mentioned a name there. I think people might have forgotten. Uh, we, have you heard anything about our good friend Milton Wright? Uh, I know he's he still could be. I think he has at least one year of eligibility left that he could come back potentially. Yeah, I, I did talk to him. He said, "I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give it away the uh, specific details of our conversation." But he said, "You're gonna see me on TV soon, and a return to Purdue is is in the cards." So we'll see if he can get his whole academic situation handled with the university if he does decide to come back to Purdue. I could also see him trying to go and play, maybe play alongside Jackson Andrew Anthrop in the XFL or, or maybe transfer out and, and go elsewhere. I mean, um, it, it's up in there at this point. But I think Milton Wright would be a, a phenomenal addition to this wide receiver room. It, it'd give him a number one receiver. Absolutely, because he was in line to be the number one guy this year. And I, I don't think that uh, Coach Walters and company would say no if he if he decided to try and come back. Yeah, I, I, I highly doubt that they would. A, a guy, his stature, I mean, what he's been able to produce as a number two receiver behind David Bell, who um, I don't know the specific numbers breakdowns, but like David Bell and Charlie Jones probably got a similar amount of targets or a share of the targets. Um, and, and Milton Wright still had over 700 yards, so. Yeah, like I mentioned, he, he would be a phenomenal addition. Anybody else you're hearing, Kyle, uh, that might be a good addition from outside the program? I haven't. The Tesla kid would be awesome. He's from Michigan, so he's Midwest guy, um, and then everybody's on him, you know. So I don't, I don't, I don't know if he'll go to a team that has an unproven. You know, I'm not saying Graham Harrell's unproven, but we have a head coach that's never been head coach before and things like that. Um, but. Uh, I'm a little bit higher on our current wide receivers that we have. I like Sheffield a lot. I think Mershon Rice and, you know, Abdur Rahman Yassin or how I think I've said it correctly. Um, they, <laughs> I, I get, I get his names mixed up, but I think those guys are all guys that can contribute. Uh, if Tyrone Tracy comes back. Um, I like the Brownsburg kid, Preston Ter- Terrell from that. I think he redshirted last year. Um, I think all these guys can come back and remember Charlie Jones was, a uh, special teams guy at Iowa and Brom picked him up in late May after he found out that Milton Wright was going to be ineligible and said, Hey, this guy's fast. Let's throw him the ball downfield a whole bunch. You know, like that you could find somebody like that in May again. Um, just because we're not hearing somebody now doesn't mean they don't <clears throat> monitor what's going on in the transfer portal going into May and see what they have in spring ball. Now, if you go into spring ball and you say, man, we have nobody that can take the top off the defense. Well, then you better go find somebody. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and it, 
I like Yassine for that. He's shown some flashes in his career. He hasn't gotten a ton of run, but he showed that I think he could grow into that big outside receiver that we need. And the one that I'm most interested to see how he's going to develop, uh, we saw little bits and pieces of him this year, is uh, Andrew Sawinski from Chittard. I think he's got some Jackson Anthrop vibes, don't you guys? 100%. That's a name that... When I've been looking at the roster and, and doing these different articles or what have you, I mean, his, his name keeps popping up for me. Him and Dion Burks are two guys that people are really forgetting. And I, mean, I think they could be two serviceable guys out of the slot, honestly. Yeah, so Winsky did manage to catch nine passes for 96 yards, and I think it's pretty telling that he's the proverbial walk-on that was getting, you know, scholarship guy minutes for a decent portion of the season and he was playing out there in the last few games of the season yeah i think he started go ahead jace sorry my bad guess he technically started the the lsu game i don't know (laughs) if i'd want that on my resume (laughs) go ahead Sorry. yeah i think you know i do think he has he has something to him he just looks like a guy that has high football iq he makes the right plays. He found his way through special teams and they found his way on the field. He played quite a bit in the slot this year, just in general. Um, he's a willing blocker on the perimeter as well, which helped out Maccabee um, in the run game this year. And uh, he's fine. I also like Zion Steptoe. Uh, yeah. I, I'm telling you, there's some, there's some talent on the, on the roster. We didn't get to see a lot of it because Charlie Jones was over-targeted this year. Yes. Uh, I tend to agree with that, but yeah, it's it's going to be interesting because there will definitely be uh, passes to be caught in the Graham Harrell offense. Isn't that the case, Kyle? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to throw the ball. Now, Graham doesn't do it quite like Mike Leach, you know, 60, 70 times a game or uh, with Joe Tiller's basketball on grass, you know, 50, 60, 70. I think what Breeze had 83 in a game. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's not quite like that. Uh, he'll run the ball a little bit more, probably especially when your best player um, is going to be your running back. Um, but also, those air raid guys like the like the saying of run the ball through the air, um, and that is you know swing passes and screens and shoot routes to the running back out of the backfield, which is kind of the the same idea. So, I think that's yeah, where he, Tyron Tracy could be really valuable if he if he were to return because we saw him like the run he had in the Big Ten championship game was one of Purdue's best plays in that game. Um, I mean. He lined up at running back in the bowl game. He lined up at running back a few times spread out throughout the season. Um, if, if he were to come, especially with the running back room, is pretty thin. Like if Maccabi goes down, you got Dylan Downing and Control Marks, and that's it. Mm-hmm. In terms of, I mean, Downing should get a scholarship. I don't know what the status on that is. Um, but, I mean, the running back room is thin. Tyrone Tracy could come back, be a receiving tight back, third down tight back. And even Devin Maccabi showed uh, a lot of promise as a receiver out of the backfield. Yeah, I agree. That that running back room, man. I there were guys in there. You know, I've been doing this job for far too long, and when there's people getting on the field that I don't know they're on the roster, that tells me that there's that we're real thin at running back there in the in the bowl game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, absolutely. We're 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 very thin at running back. I wouldn't be surprised to see a transfer there um, as well. Yeah, I and wanted, I wanted Carson Seal so bad. Him and brought his damn pet alligator with him. That would have been electric. Yeah, Carson Steele was a good pickup for UCLA. He, ooh, it would have been nice to get him. A Maccabee Steele too. I mean, because you look around at college football, the best teams kind of have a 
a backfield by committee. Obviously, you look at uh, Michigan, they have Blake Corum, but then they have Donovan Edwards, who's maybe just as good um, that he, sh- he showed when he got his opportunity to be the full-time back. You, you have to have a bunch of good running backs, and most of the best teams in the country, they, they run the ball effectively. They might not – they might not run it the most or for the most yards, but um, you have to be dangerous back there. And um, I think that's unfortunately that's something that, that Jeff Brom wasn't able to do, but um, hopefully Graham Harrell can. Now, you, you shifting gears again a little bit here, you talked about who is returning and whatnot. I know one of the things that we wanted to address was just how well uh, Coach Walters has done in recruiting the guys to stay. Um, I got to admit that there's not been as much roster turnover as I expected, especially with the whirlwind of all that happened. And then you have the bowl game and everything else. I think I think the bowl game was disastrous from a developmental por- perspective, but I think it's very interesting that we didn't lose anybody really since the coaching change. Yeah, I talked about that on the. Uh the weekly upload last week. Um, you know, I think he did a, a heck of a job since he's been hired to, to recruit the roster. And I think that was probably one of his main priorities. Um, I mean, you got to have a roster to be able to evaluate it. Right. And I think he wanted to mm-hmm. keep those guys around. And, and, you know, we, we thought that Johnson and Sullivan and Dean were all going to be done anyway. I mean, Sullivan said he was going to go fly airplanes at the start of the season when he graduated. So um, the fact that he's taken a fifth year and he probably got some good NIL money to go out to USC but, and then Holstage, I mean, those are four guys that we lost. But aside from Holstage, we didn't expect those other three to be here. And then you're looking at, you know, <clears throat> Hayden Ellinger and those guys have been off the roster already. Kobe Lewis was here for like, what, six months. Um, <laughs> Greg Huggins, the former four-star, had never developed into what we everybody thought he was going to be. I mean, Walters did a heck of a job of keeping guys around that are already on roster. And I don't know if it's – the players are curious to see what he's all about and what spring ball is going to look like. And they have another opportunity to enter the portal or it's, he did a pretty good job of outlining what the expectation is going to be. And he kept those guys around. He's a young, enthusiastic guy and he surrounded himself by other young, enthusiastic guys. I mean, I think our average age on, on staff right now is like 38.4 years, you know? Um, and the only reason it's that high is because we hired the 56 year old defensive line coach. That's crazy. I mean, <laughs> on the offensive side of the ball, Brick Haley, or not Brick Haley, sorry, the line coach, Matt Maddox and Corey Patterson are both, I think, 42 and 40. You know, it's it's a young staff, and and it's, they're surrounding themselves with young, energetic people, and that, that kind of gravitates towards this, this new wave of college football. You know, um, you have, of course, your Nick Sabans of the world, but these young – these young coaches are kind of taking over college football a little bit. Um, you know, coordinators are getting hired at 30 to 39 years old all over the all over the college football landscape right now, and no different in Purdue. And maybe we're a great a great spot for that. I mean, why not? Why not us? Right? <laughs> I mean, he's swinging big, and I kind of like that. It's I think it's a high reward proposition because if it works out, I think it's going to work out incredibly well. Don't you, Jace? Yeah, absolutely, and kind of touched on your point of that young wave of coaches. I think that might have persuaded a lot of these younger guys to come back. Um, it, it, I mean, building blocks for the program, and talk about Devin Mockaby, Brady Allen, Nick Carraway, Marcus Bow, uh, Mo, Mohamed Musa, Corday Sidner. I mean, we can go up and down the list of, 
of young guys that decided to stay. And I think that could be attributed to Ryan Walters and, and his young staff that he brought in. It just showed the it showed the younger guys that yeah, we have life. This is I mean, this new coaching staff is the complete opposite of what Jeff Brown had. I mean, it's not even it's a night and day. Uh, whether mm-hmm. that's good or bad, uh, we'll find out here in uh, September. It it blows my mind that I am older than everybody on the coaching staff except like one, and, and then it's not like a small number that I'm older than the head coach of Purdue football. So, uh, I guess I'll just be the crotchety old journalist now. <laughs> Rick Haley, Rick Haley has been coaching for 31 years. That's five years less than Ryan Walters has been on this earth. Oh God! That's wow. <laughs> Uh, that Walters is 36. Oh my God. Oh yeah. my God. I, can't I was wait. out of college before he was in college. It, I can't wait to yeah, run wait. into him at a bar in West Lafayette and hang out. <laughs> it's going to happen. I mean, as local football coaches, we cross paths with the Purdue guys all the time. Not the Brahms, of course. They were a hierarchy. They just kind of hid. Uh, but you, with the assistant coaches, I always point, uh, we always ran into Poindexter and Shep and all those younger guys that are always out and about. I mean, we always ran into them, and they just they'll sit down with you. They find out you're a local high school coach, and they'll just talk ball with you for hours if you want to. You know, that's that's how it goes. Um, and I miss I, I wrote it a couple times. I missed the AFCA clinic this weekend, the American Football Coaches Association clinic. But you know, <clears throat> I got some pictures from my buddies that were down there, and they were in a bar and made a makeshift whiteboard. And all of a sudden, these college coordinators are coming over there talking shop with them. That's just that's that's the football world, man. I can't wait to to, to meet these guys. They're they're going to be, I think, a good group. Do you think he's going to have a better relationship than Brom with the in-state coaches? Because I know Brom seemed to really recruit Kentucky a little bit more than Indiana. Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, you know. I, I know I know you have some internal opinions on that one that we don't need to totally publicize, but I do have some internal opinions on on, <laughs> on how visits were handled and things like that. But I'll I'll save that for myself. Um, but yeah, you know, I, he did obviously recruit Louisville really well. He got some good players out of there. Um, you know, Rondale Moore, I guess Louisville Trinity, right? Um, even though he was lived in Indiana, um, but it, it wasn't the fact that he didn't have good relationships with the high school coaches it was just that he like hid he wasn't visible you know what i mean that's that mm-hmm. and like i i, I use is i use a terrible football program but if you wanted to text tom allen as a high school football coach and ask him a question tom allen's going to respond to you and, and i find that interesting because it, it just from an outsider's perspective it looks like Walters is not going to be as corporate as Brom and company was because I mean Brom basically had a chief of staff with one of his brothers, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, Greg Brom was something, man. <laughs> so, what is the vibe? I know you've kind of been on the scene, you've met uh, Coach Walters and everything. What is the vibe that you get, Jace, from you know what we're getting and how how different is it? It's night, like I said, it's night and day. I mean, it's not. It, you go down to the scheme. Obviously, his defensive guy, Brom, like Brom, was a offensive guru. Um, he's young. He's energetic. Um, now, I know Brom kind of got the reputation, especially earlier in his Purdue career, being a good motivator. But it just feels like Walters is more relaxed. He's not. He's not that militant type of head coach, in my opinion. And just just getting the feel for him early on. Obviously, that could change because. I mean, Jeff Brom is opening um, 
his opening press conference at Purdue said, you guys are going to see my family around all the time here at Purdue and turned out not to be true. So um, that, that, that could change, obviously. Um, like college football changes every single day. I mean, we could tomorrow we could wake up and there could be four starters in the portal. I mean, you just never know. But um, as of right now, I think the guys I've talked to on the team, uh, the recruits, recruits I've talked to, they're all super excited to play for, for Coach Walters, and I think that, that says something. Hell, we can wake up tomorrow and Colorado's in the Big Ten. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being on vacation in Texas this summer, and I woke up and there was like, oh, UCLA and USC might be coming to the Big Ten. I'm like, that's not going to happen. That can't be true. By the end of the day, it was true. So <laughs> that's that's your prime example right there. Mm-hmm. And talking about, we'll, we'll kind of shift to our final topic here. I think it's a fun one. Um, I think I have to go to the exact tweet here and read it because this person, at least in my opinion, deserves a proper public shaming when it comes to just the absolute nonsense that, uh, they're, put, that they're putting out there. And it is a college basketball writer uh, says that he... His name is Mark Fiscarelli. Earlier today said, hearing now that Matt Painter is atop the short list for the University of Texas's head coaching search, other names mentioned include Jamie Dixon, Ed Cooley, and John Calipari. The reality, the Longhorns were, are willing to break the bank for a winning coach. Um, this ain't happening. <laughs> no. No, stop. No, no. I, I mean... I believe my response was, I stand a better chance of starting an NBA game this season. And uh, right now, I've got a bad ankle. So, <laughs> Matt, I mean, Painter's, just, Matt Painter's not going not, anywhere. He, he's not going anywhere. Um, and it's just, I, I, I've never felt more secure in where Painter is right now. And if, and I know it's, it's a gigantic if, I'm well aware of Purdue's history. If this is the year he finally breaks through to a Final Four, lifetime contract, isn't it? It has to be. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to – if he didn't get – now, if, if if those 13, 14, 15 years didn't go well, and yeah. we might have had a different discussion about him getting fired, but he, he had those two years, and he really hasn't had a bad year since then, aside from the 2019-2020 season. Like That didn't happen. <laughs> that year's completely wiped off the books. Nothing bad happened. But nope. if he's not, if he didn't leave for Missouri, if he didn't leave for UCLA, he's not leaving for Texas. I never see Paint leaving West Lafayette. Maybe he wants to move down to the little retirement home or wherever the hell Coach Katie stays at um, right now <laughs> when he's when he's old. Uh, but until then, he's 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 a Purdue lifer. There's any other discussion is is childish. Yeah, and he's at, what in year seventeen with us? I think he's he's approaching the longevity that Katie had here. Mm-hmm. Katie spent twenty five years here. I I don't see Painter leaving before he's spent like thirty years here, unless he just decides, hey, I'm done with coaching basketball. And everybody loves him. You know, there are some critics, and you're going to have critics of any head coach. But again, if if this is the year he finally breaks through and gets to the final four, I mean, he, in my eyes, he's going to be like Joe Madden with the, with the Cubs and the, okay, you performed a small miracle. How long do you want to stay? 
but the Cubs were dumb enough not to sign Joe Madden, but that's another thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Uncle Payne's going anywhere, man. Yeah, I would be absolutely shocked if he went anywhere. Uh, and uh, to the point of, I don't even know who would replace him. I I would not have a clue as to who would replace him. Now, like, he deserves a pay raise. Like, I was talking to you before the podcast. Like, makes $3.2 million. He's, like, the seventh highest paid coach in the Big Ten. I mean, aside from Izzo, who should be paid more than him? Yeah, I mean, he's Izzo's the only one with more longevity than him in the Big Ten. I mean, he's got the... He's got that. I mean, how much longer is Izzo going to be coaching? He's going to be the dean of coaches here within the next what ten years? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, paint is three point two million. There's no reason why he shouldn't be making what Jeff Brown made. All right, six million, in my opinion. I, the guy's going to be one of like four coaches with four hundred Big Ten wins or whatever, man. Like, <laughs> is, this, is this a capitalist market or not? Because pay the guy what he's worth, or maybe he will start sniffing around. Yeah. Ah. Uh, yeah. Don't. <laughs> Don't ruin it, man. Don't ruin it. <laughs> and it, especially after, you know, there were people last week that were like, oh, pro- they, they proved he couldn't get it done again with the roster Rutgers. I mean, we, we were never going undefeated. But uh, I, I don't think Purdue basketball has been in this good a shape for a long time, and it's a good place to be. It's a very just, good place to be. I just looked it up because I was kind of curious of, who the guys were that are kind of ahead of him. I mean, some of the names are Buzz Williams at Texas A&M, Eric Musselman at Arkansas. Bob Huggins makes 4.1. I think Payton and Huggy could be kind of similar in terms of um, what they get paid. Jamie Dixon, Chris, Be- oh, Chris Beard's gone. Yeah. Jay Wright's gone. Um, but Chris Beard getting paid still. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff Capel at Pittsburgh. Juwan Howard, Brad Underwood. Like, there's no reason Matt Painter shouldn't be paid more than Juwan Howard and Brad Underwood. There's zero reason why he should. But if he wants to give us a hometown discount and use that for the the uh, assistance pool, I'm fine with it. So, <laughs> Chris Holtman's making $7 million, isn't he? It doesn't say it on here, but I think this is last year. Oh, that's Ohio State money. Ohio State doesn't count. Oh, I mean, this was earlier this month. Ohio State money. Ohio State can sneeze more money out than Purdue's entire athletic budget. That's so. fair. <laughs> that is true. All right. Well, we can start wrapping this up. Uh, any final thoughts, Kyle? Before before we call this a night. Uh, I'm now Jace has me digging into more coaches' salaries, and I don't even know who Jeff Capel is. You know, he's a former Duke player. Is he? I had no idea. Okay, here we are. But uh, final thoughts. Um, Purdue basketball turned it back around after dropping one at home against Rutgers. Two impressive wins on the road. Ryan Walters is one coach away from finishing up his coaching staff. And I think we have to turn somebody into a special teams coordinator that's on staff if we hire running backs coach individually because I think we're out of coaching spots. Um, And Matt Painter is underpaid. (laughs) There there it is. All right, Jace, any final thoughts for yourself? No. Oh, uh, I did want to mention this as we hop off. Uh, in honor of Purdue playing at the Palace show the other day, Hinkle Fieldhouse is the best gym in, in Indiana. I'm not sorry. Well, you should be because the best gym in Indiana is Kokomo's Memorial Gym. Hinkle is nice. 
I love Hinkle. It's beautiful. But it's Kokomo's Memorial Gym. I'm sorry. Which I'll be at Friday to watch the undefeated Harrison Raiders take on the Kokomo Wildcats. I thought the game was at Harrison. Maybe it is at Harrison. I have no idea. I'll figure that out Friday morning. Uh, if, <laughs> only, if only you taught there. <laughs> hey, man, you get to a school with 2,300 kids. You, you don't even know what's going on on a day-to-day basis. You just figure it out as you go. <laughs> well, it is a it is definitely a big basketball week for us. Jace is going to be at Brownsburg on Friday night as uh, Fishers with Jalen Harrelson will be taking on Cannon Catchings in Brownsburg. That's going to be a good one. Kyle is going to be in attendance as Flory Badunga takes on Harrison. Uh, that'll be a good one. Badunga's been tearing it up the last couple of games. And then I am making my triumphant return to Mackey Arena Friday night. It is my first home game of the season in person. So I'm excited. And it's basketball season. They're sucking me back in. Uh, this this could be the year. And I know I said that last year. And I know I said last year, if they didn't get it done, they weren't going to do it. But damn it, they're sucking me back in. And it's an exciting time. So for Kyle, for Jace, and myself, Travis Miller, I don't, I've never introduced myself. But if you don't know who I am right now, that's who I am. Uh, this has been the Boiler Upload Podcast. And we thank you for listening. <laughs>